Just before we start, I have to make a little bit of a confession. This movie elicited in me a feeling of nostalgia. How? It's weird. It's not nostalgia for when I'm from when I uh, was a kid. It was nostalgia for watching a bad movie and training myself to like pick out the fun bits. <laughs> it's something I actually haven't had to do in a while. <laughs> it's been a while. It felt like a return to form. Welcome to Direct to Video. VHS? VHS? A podcast where we pair movies like fine wine. Today we watched The Hunchback of Notre Dame 2. The Secret of the Bell. Sorry! There's a subtitle to this? There is? I didn't know that either. That's a terrible subtitle, too. Right off the bat, craziest subtitle I think we've had. I think, because it doesn't mean anything. There is no secret of the bell. Everybody knows about this bell. That the the worst... I mean, the plot in this movie was the worst part of the movie. Or the songs. Uh, but that's par for the course. The plot of this movie was the worst part of the movie, but the worst part of the plot was the idea that you needed to find out which bell this was. <laughs> what are you it's, it's the bell. <laughs> it's full of gems, idiots. Which doesn't seem good for a bell. <laughs> no, it doesn't make sense. You know how a bell works? For, for for those who don't know, the way a bell works is there's a big metal fucking ball inside of a hollow tube and it hits the sides. Uh, that's how it makes the big boom noise. And also, even if that wasn't true, even if there was a way to fill a bell with gems and still have it sound like a bell, maybe a church shouldn't deck out a bell in precious stones anyway. Because, like, I was watching this and I thought, like, hmm, Notre Dame sure is hoarding riches. <laughs> like, what do I care if this is stolen? <laughs> He'll ring a different bell. I just don't understand why the outside of the bell wasn't decorated. Like, no <laughs> one can see the inside of the bell. Well, it's a metaphor. You see, and, because oh. the outside doesn't look interesting. <laughs> I hate this movie so much. I there were parts of this movie that I enjoyed. Oh um, yeah, no, same. And kind of kind of the opposite of the of the uh, actual hunchback movie. They were the jokey parts. I felt like the jokes in this movie were fucking landing. Uh, I I I don't think I would say I don't think I would say it with like that much confidence, but there were I think there some were some of the there jokes was like, in this movie were landing. <laughs> I have them written down. There was a joke in the movie where I said, I think all, I didn't even laugh. I didn't, uh, I didn't chortle. I didn't, uh, a guffaw. I just said, oh, that's a pretty funny one. <laughs> There's a joke early on that I actually like, so we're gonna, we're gonna get into it. Okay, so first off, this animation's garbage. <laughs> this animation, I, I don't, I, again, I don't like, 
like again the, the the fault of this animation is not on the animators they are doing their best but god damn this movie they're making fucking money uh, they have no money like, this wasn't in in some scenes esmeralda doesn't have a nose uh everybody is so off model that um clopan appears to be white and is not wearing a mask uh, <laughs> oh, the 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 skin colors in this are are off the rails. They're all over um, the place. It's not great. As Esmeralda's skin looks gray, and she's also the only person I think who looks like a person of color. All of the yeah. other characters who might have darker skin are just like white now. Uh, oh no! Except for our illustrious villain. Oh, that's true. Who also has like a gray skin tone. Mm. I I feel like the Hunchback of Notre Dame is a hard it's a hard sell, right? Like this is a, a very oh, political yeah. story and we're gonna make it into a movie for kids. And they 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 failed to make it a movie for kids. Absolutely. And then it's hard to watch as an adult because you're like, boy, they sure tried to make this a movie for kids. Movie for kids. This this just feels like a disaster. Like they had no idea. And they kept <laughs> trying they kept trying to shoehorn in like para- like little little lessons for children to learn. There was I there was stuff where I could see what they were doing. Quasimodo's love interest has functionally the same story as Quasimodo. Like her upbringing. The bad guy is clearly a mirror to Frollo except way less interesting. Uh, there's a spectacular line read that does not land because I did not care about these characters, <laughs> um, where, where, like, she's begging him to look at her, like, really look at her. There's stuff that, in a good movie, would work, but this is a bad movie, so it doesn't. <laughs> I, I I even I had a really hard time deciding whether or not I liked the fact that the villain, his whole thing is that he's narcissistic, but he is also um, without all of his like costume stuff, not that much to look at. And I had a hard time deciding if that was good or not. And I think the answer is the movie could no. not make me care about it. Um, <laughs> But again, uh, yeah, in a I good mean, movie, that's good. <laughs> it's, it's one of those things where it, if a, if a competent if like a competent human being had written this script and you know really fleshed out the themes a little bit, I guess it could have gone somewhere. But it's just so ham fisted. It's so uh, I don't even know what the word is like obtuse. Yeah. So this first fucking ten minutes is like a song and dance number where Quasimodo and Clopin are setting up this festival for basically a festival for dates. It's a Valentine's Day festival. Yeah, and it is it, the song is bad and I I do not like you you said ham fisted. I do not like how blatantly they're setting up the theme. Uh of like in this one, Quasimodo gets a girl. Like that's what yeah. they're saying. <laughs> It's uh, that being said, the movie does flip flop on it every once in a while in a way that makes me think like, like, I don't know. It'd be crazy if you guys didn't. But where where is this going? (laughs) 
Uh, but like, especially the very beginning feels very low effort when they're setting it all up. And yeah, you're right. The first like 10 minutes feel like half an hour. I'm also uh, pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. And I'd have to check. Um, they, re- I, I'm pretty sure they reused a sound clip from Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> Did they? I wondered why everybody was singing Bonjour at each other. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> um, they, they reused a sound clip for Beauty and the Beast. You could hear Gaston chowing down on eggs in the background. In the background, there he goes. I, I, because at the at the very, very, very beginning of the movie, I'm pretty sure somebody's like, "Good morning, good morning," and I was like, "Dead ass, is that the beginning of Beauty and the Beast? What's happening?" Um, and I wasn't really, like, looking at the screen, so I was like, wait, hold on, did I put on the wrong movie? <laughs> ah, I, haha, I got you to admit that you were not looking at the screen. This has all been a stink. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, the, <laughs> the wire. Um, Take him away, boys. I could not bring myself to, like, I, and, and uh, there was a point where I was like, okay, I'm just gonna, like, uh, no distractions. I'm just going to finish this movie. And even then I was like, maybe I could check my phone um, where I'm writing my notes. It was just like, uh, it was, it was, and it's only 60 minutes. And you know what? That's the best part of the movie. It is. I think every, just... I think every Disney sequel should be about 60 minutes. You could write it to that 80 line, but come on. <laughs> I, I think we should pass, uh, a federal law, <laughs> maybe a UN charter that I, all movies need to be between 60 and 85 minutes. I'm not sure if at this stage we should be publicly stating that the government should uh, intercede <laughs> in certain business affairs. You know what? That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. Um, <laughs> I, I do wish, hopefully that um, reference will be dated by the time this is edited. Oh, it, I trust me. They're going to be getting their, their oily hands into some oh, other business boy. affairs by then. I, 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 it, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, I feel like the shorter these movies get, they don't feel shorter, right? I still <clears> feel <throat> like I lost <clears throat> a year of my life. This one I mean, this is not one of our worst ones. It's just a mediocre movie. There were a lot of other movies that, even on paper, should have been more fun that yeah. hurt a lot more than this one. But that's but that's the thing for me, right? Is is at the end of this experience, I I I look over to to May and I ask her, "What'd you think?" Because she's watching it too, obviously. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, because that's that's the hell I guess that is uh, being being in a relationship with me, and she looked at me and she said, "I think the Swan Princess movie was better," and I get it because those movies are so they're so ridiculous, they're so crazy, okay, so much is happening yeah, mm-hmm, that is mm-hmm, a, that is an mm-hmm. affront to society. Sure, sure, sure. But did she watch Swan Princess Christmas? I don't think she did. No, no, she didn't. No, <laughs> I did not. Um, this, I, I think she only watched like the last two that we did, which were significantly better. I feel like those ones were a little more fun. I might agree with her that those were better. I don't know, but like. 
<laughs> compared yeah. to some well, of Christmas, the low-tier movies. Swan Princess Christmas did introduce us to nines, though. Yeah, and we latched onto him because he was the only thing worth watching in that movie. Where, and I don't know if you remember this, there was techno remixes of acapella <laughs> Christmas songs. I did not, I did not remember this. I, the only thing I remember is, um, is No Fear. I can, I can never forget it. <laughs> it's like burned into my brain. Uh, and do you know what? Unrelated. Mm-hmm. Actually, a little bit related. Because technically, our heroes in the Swan Princess universe never fucked. <laughs> but do you know who mm-hmm. did fuck? Oh my gosh. And uh, there's evidence of it. There's evidence of it. Um Yeah, Esme and Phoebus have a little have a little guy running around, a, a little, little Sora. Guy. His name is Zephyr. He Zephyr, is yes. obnoxious in a kid way. But very much not the worst part of this movie. Like I I genuinely I was like, oh shit, this is like a good kid role. This is fine. He, this is what you want a kid role to be. I was there was one thing where I was upset uh, uh, where I that I did not like. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um and it's after this kid I started to like him because he had some fucking great line reads at the carnival. Um, oh, you know, and he did. then they start this song, which is a miserable song. All the songs are. Miserable. Oh, I don't want to keep. It was my favorite song the in the song movie. Time. But anyway, but it was about how he and Quasimodo were always going to be friends, and I was like, Yeah, okay. But if this movie does not introduce a part where it's in question as to whether they're friends, then this song doesn't like shouldn't exist. This song doesn't matter to the this, story. There's no reason to have this song here. I know they're friends. It's Quasimodo. Well, okay, so He's friends with everyone. We're we are we are jumping the gun a little bit. As much as I want to talk about uh, about Sora, um, yeah. Okay, yeah, the, let's step back. The 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 basic premise of the movie is mm-hmm. Paris is setting up for this festival of love, du jour. The um, festival. It's a miserable time. And everybody <laughs> is pairing time. up and everybody's pairing up and making now and having having romance and but poor poor old Quasimodo though. He just he's stuck in that bell tower like, I don't know, man, maybe no one can love me. Because mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. yeah, that's where the movie left him. Because that is um, where the movie left him. To be fair. And I I this isn't a good movie. Um No. But the reasoning behind making this movie is sound. When the person who was writing this movie had to come up with a plot, obviously we need to fix this bit where Quasimodo has no one is important. Yeah, no, it definitely. I just don't. Here's the thing, though, is I don't understand why it's been like six years, right? It's been. Okay, so that's the other thing, is they introduced a kid, and this kid is, like, the age of whenever a kid gets real precocious. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So, somewhere between, like, five and eight, maybe, Quasimodo's been, like, not dating for a while. He's in his, like, mid-twenties now. <laughs> He's Paris's most eligible bachelor. When he is dating, everybody starts singing about it. People like Quasimodo. <laughs> they love him. 
He's great. I honestly, I would have right? liked. I would have liked if it turned out that he had some exes. <laughs> oh, that'd be great. <laughs> If it was like uh if it was like a reverse uh Scott Pilgrim versus the world where uh this circus performer had to like defeat all of these weird Parisian women. Boy, that would almost make her a character, huh? Okay. Oh god, wouldn't that? Um so Oh my god, Quasimodo would totally be friends with all of his exes. Oh he would. You know that he would. would. Be, he would have like he would have like a like a whole, like a whole course of like five women always wandering around. Like, hey, Quasimodo, God, that's a good movie. Oh, and he, and he'd be doing stuff for them, right? He'd be like, oh yeah, you know, I built her house, I fixed her roof, <laughs> I, uh, you know, I made her a well, I saved her kid. And it's like, oh my god, dude. Well, I d- I like to think that Esmeralda and Phoebus would be making sure Quasimodo didn't get taken advantage of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, this whole well, time, I don't think. I really wanted. I, think- I, I really wanted them to show off that they were still good friends, and it, they kind of didn't. There were some bits no. there that I liked, but he seems to be mostly friends with their kid. What? Yeah, what Quasimodo is is their free babysitter. So yeah. what this movie to- what this movie is showing me is like, oh, okay, so these two are just actively taking advantage of Quasimodo's niceness. Like we know he's gonna watch our kid, so we're just gonna leave him there. <laughs> to the uh, point where they lose their kid and the first person to find out is Quasimodo. Well, I mean... They don't even the, find out first. Okay, to be fair, at that point, the goat is babysitting the kid. And this is a Disney movie, so that's allowed. That, so that's valid. Yeah, it's allowed. You can't have a kid watching a kid. It doesn't make sense. But um, all right, time to. I'm gonna cross that off of my notes now that I made that joke. Um, yeah, this whole this every all everything we do is scripted. Um, the oh no, we're bad at this. We're, we're, we're everything we do is scripted, and also we're the worst writers. Um, this is really poorly written. I have to edit out a lot of ums, Andy. Yeah, 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 and yeah, yeah. Long pauses. Why do we script all those pauses? Pauses. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so the circus comes into town, and yeah, okay. I, I did not write this motherfucker's name down. Oh, uh, mm, um, hmm. yeah. <laughs> just. Oh my gosh! I'm just gonna pop over to IMDb real quick. Quasimo Clapon Phoebus Victor. Oh Who's Victor? <laughs> Scarouche? Is it Scarouche? Victor. Scarouche is Victor. It's Scarouche. It's Scarouche. It is Scarouche. Scarouche and Madeline. So Scarouche is the leader of of a circus troupe, which as far as I can tell consists of two strongmen, an elephant, a guy on stilts, and three very clearly, obviously robbers in jester outfits. Yeah, well, and a, and a like a dwarf clown who, um, in my opinion, does the only good joke in this half of the movie. <laughs> oh, also, a lot of kidnapped African animals, which, I don't know, to me, really brought the movie down a bit. Uh, yeah, yeah, here's... <laughs> I, I guess in 2002, I think is when this movie came out. Happy 20th anniversary, by the way, Hunchback of Notre Dame 2. Um, the, 
the the evils of circuses holding animals were not yet public knowledge. Yeah, I guess it just it seems pretty sketch in the first place, guys. There didn't yeah. need to be giraffes and elephants. They're barely in the thing, and I it it upset me every time I saw them. That is kind of my point, though, is that this is kind of a shitty circus. Oh, it's like, awful. Well, because because it's just for the thefts. I've uh, I've organized a couple of games of uh, of, of improvised heists in uh, not not in real life, like you know, on on tabletop. And you gotta whoa, you, you whoa, gotta do whoa, it the whoa, other whoa, way around. You up, have to hold be up, hold up, hold up, real quick. These are definitely not real heists. Just in case yes, this ever gets yes. played in court. <laughs> Uh-huh, go on. Um it was it was it was all in Minecraft. I you have to be a legitimate acting troupe or carnival troupe. You have to be a legitimate troupe that happens to also do crimes. It can't be the other way around. Yeah, you yeah, that's fair. You have to uh there there can be one like one person who's the there, professional yeah. robber. If the whole that's the problem with this shitty carnival is that everyone's in on it. Everyone's in on it. But, like, everyone else is just, like, either evil for the sake of evil or just doing their job, it seems like. Right. But at the end of the movie, they do just leave. Well, I mean, look, once you take Sarosh, how many more do you need? They get a couple of clowns. Oh, yeah, they get the two strongmen. Yeah. Oh, by the way, this is the one good gag. So Sarosh is a, um, his thing is, like, he's a magician. And Madeline is his magician's assistant. Yes. He goes to introduce her very much like uh, Clopin introduces Esmeralda in the first movie. Talking about Mm -hmm. how beautiful she is and then opening the secret door and she's not there. And the one good gag in this basically first half hour of the movie is this clown raising a sign that says like, wow, and then like, Seeing what happened and sheepishly lowering it. Yes, that is a good bit. I I quite enjoyed that. I was like, okay, wait a second. Does, is this movie funny? And the answer is kind of almost. What a dearth the rest of the 50-minute runtime was for you. Because <laughs> I got no solace until about halfway through. So then we meet Madeline and I do not give a shit about her. Madeline's entire character is that she she stole a loaf of bread and um, now has to work for this guy uh, as a pretty assistant. And he demeans her and treats her like a piece of shit, like an object, you know, that good stuff. Uh, The movie has nothing to say about that. Uh, In fact, the movie kind of encourages it. And she wants to be a tightrope walker. That's the weirdest thing. I don't understand why she has this want. This it seems to have nothing to do with her as a character. She wants to be a tightrope walker more than she wants to be a free person. More than she wants to just not be in this circus. Yes. And what really upsets me, I mean, no, that's upsetting. But also, then there's this bit of, <laughs> as I was watching it, I thought, Wait, how did this even happen? Because she missed her cue because she was walking the tightrope. But they just got here. Which means she had to have, like, as they got into Paris, snuck off and set up the tightrope so she could yeah. walk on it? And this was the opening number. Cue? How did this happen? I don't know. 
she's just such a weird character, right? Because, like, her whole thing is that she hates being treated as, like, you know, a little object by this guy, mm-hmm. whatever. He tells her that, hey, listen, you know why we're here. We're here to do crimes. Uh, you're integral to this plan. I need you to go. steal the bell from Notre Dame. We're going to steal a bell full of jewels. The wildest heist. I do kind of love it. The idea of it, right? Could you imagine if National Treasure 3 was like, we have to steal the the bell now? It's, but. (laughs) (laughs) High energy Nick Cage wasn't available. (laughs) No, only low energy Nick Cage. He's tired of it. (laughs) We got to steal it, the bell. Gotta get that get that other guy back from the from the first movie. I forget his name. Why? Sean Bean. The bell is such a swing. It's such a big <laughs> theft. That yeah. the moment it's stolen and everybody's on like a like high alert for it, I was immediately like, well, they're taking it out on the water, right? It's a big bell. It's a fucking bell. They're not carrying it out. And then it turns out, yeah, they are. <laughs> Well, here's the here's the bananas thing, right? Is and this is this is a this is a real this is a real case of uh, mixing your vegetables with your eggs or whatever. Okay, um, sounds like a decent omelet. Go on. Yeah, actually, that's fair. What do you not want to mix your vegetables with? Your souffle, I guess. I don't know. Listen, don't know. the point is, is that why are they stealing shit prior to the big heist? Okay, because before they get to the big heist, they're already being reported for crimes. Okay, but here was my other thing. That, yes. But also, why are they stealing this bell before they're showing off the big bell? If they stole it afterward, probably nobody would even care. Quasimodo would care. But, like, everybody else would be like, oh, that sucks. Well, I guess we have to make a new one for next year. (laughs) (laughs) Or they could be like, oh, probably got lost somewhere. Who knows? Anyway. Yeah, you know, bells get lost. That happens. Come on, dude. Hey, you know what I know about bells? They get lost all the time. (laughs) All the time. All the time. It's a weird heist. Uh, The details don't make sense. The worst part of this movie is that the story, like, falls apart at any scrutiny. Upon viewing. Right. I think genuinely- Not even thinking about it. I think genuinely that the characters still have some fun stuff. There's still some fun jokes. Except for, again, Madeline, who is literally nothing. I really wanted her to be- anything at least the love interest in brother bear two fell in love with a fucking bear (laughs) yeah right that's pretty big (laughs) but like that's a person (laughs) but like i know people who've done that she's got she's got nothing and there's nothing going on the plot that she is intertwined with is not decent enough to get distracted by so you're just kind of like Whatever. It's kind of bananas to to have, especially following following the Hunchback of Notre Dame, where you have Esmeralda, a character who you know, the the artifice of the movie is, hey, look at her, she's a really sexy lady, and then the movie is like, okay, but dig a little deeper, and oh, she's a person with wants and needs, and you know, the movie ha- still has problems when it comes to like the the male gaze, mm-hmm. but they have created a character that is. Her whole deal is that she plays in that space because that's what she has to do. Actually, and this might be a good time to bring that up. Maybe the worst part about this movie is that Esmeralda is no longer a character. Nope. And to be fair, it would be hard to give Esmeralda like a full character in this movie that is not about her. 
But they yeah. wanted her to be in this movie, and she, because she's still in the movie, feels very underwhelming because they're, like, not using this interesting character. This is a character who in the last movie made a lot of very interesting moves, mm-hmm. and in this movie does nothing. In moments where in the last movie she would have done something. Right. Yeah, she's she's just, like, I don't know, a wife, a mom, Quasimodo's buddy. Uh, and none of those are bad, but in the moments where she is those things, it's the only thing that she is. She is also a token minority. That is all true. all the other Romani are gone, except for Chopin. Anyway, Sarouche dramatically hides in shadows for a while. It is deeply hilarious to me. Like, why is he doing this? Why is he being all, I'm evil? <laughs> when he's just, like, talking to this person that he does not particularly respect. Who knows he's evil? Who knows he's evil? So who cares? Ma- Madeline makes her way to Notre Dame at this point to seduce Quasimodo, who hides from her, obviously, because, you know, yeah, that's I, what he does, I guess. So what bothered me about that was, like, Quasimodo's been outside now. I feel like he's not the hiding his face stage. I can kind of buy it if he's like, oh, this is somebody who doesn't live in Paris. <laughs> they don't know I'm hideous. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I would have liked that to be, like, more specifically, like, that's what this is about. He doesn't like that first moment of, like, reaction. Yeah. So after they have the lamest ass flirting and jokes with each other. This, this is, I could not handle this. This, the, they're dumb fuck. It's not even, a, it's not even, like, a bit. It's just them saying things. Yeah, no, guys. Um, They are the lamest couple. <laughs> After all this, she finally, like, pulls down a curtain so she could see him, and immediately runs away, and I was like, hot damn, looks matter is the moral of this story. Movie over. (laughs) Ten minutes in. This is, this is, this is the turning point, right? This is, this is the moment where I was like, oh, they don't, these writers have no idea what they're doing, because the interesting thing to do would be to just have her be like, hey, what's up? I don't dislike that she ran away, especially because they do try to have this thing of, like, sometimes you have to, like, look deeper or look twice, this kind of thing. I do not- Yeah, but Tony, it sucks. Hey, Andy? Yeah. Yeah, it sucks. Again, in a better movie, the fact that she ran away of, like, she didn't expect somebody who looks kind of like a gargoyle to be there- Uh, I I kind of would have liked it better if she was extremely polite about it. Uh, Yeah. And she's like, oh, I, um, I, I, I have to, I have to go. Like, like she was like, you know, that thing where you immediately think of something you need to do because you're uncomfortable in a situation. Yeah. Uh, I would have liked that. She just kind of bolts because again, she is not an interesting character. (laughs) She just, she absolutely, she practically throws herself off that tower. And well, Quasimodo's really beaten up by this. Esmeralda and I was going to say Desdemona. Phoebus. Esmeralda and Phoebus mm-hmm. show up to console him, I think. It, it's not good consoling. And the, the gargoyle, the gargoyles are still in this movie. So here's the thing about the gargoyles in this movie. There's a song here that he sings. The gargoyles help him with it. He he carves out like a Tinkerbell. It's fucking Tinkerbell. Uh, it's it's 
fucking Tinkerbell. It is. Uh, she doesn't even look like that. No, it's a hundred percent Tinkerbell. He carves like a Tinkerbell and says it's Madeline, and that kind of irritated me because Quasimodo is supposed to be good at this. Uh, but he sings this song about potentially finding a love, and they want it so bad to be out there, and it's not. And it made me really angry because they were mirroring out there, and it was like watching uh, Star Wars Episode 1. You know how it rhymes with Star Wars Episode (laughs) 4? So it has all these story beats, except they're bad. (laughs) I would say it's even worse than that. I think it's like like the equivalent of, like, the uh, going to watch, like, Star Trek into like Darkness. A children, like a children's production. Of Star Trek into Darkness. Of Star Trek into Darkness. <laughs> um, and you're compared like, to, oh, they stole that death from Spock. Come on. I So I you have brought up two examples of movies that I like. So <laughs> here I am, the, a, a, a fool idiot. in a clown's costume. <laughs> <laughs> But it's, it's, here's the problem with the, sorry, I just, a quick tangent. Here's the problem with the music in this movie. <laughs> okay, there's one problem. Yeah, hit me with it. <laughs> it's, it's the big problem. Yeah. Which is that these motherfuckers keep trying to fit paragraphs into single meters. Oh my meters. God, this is the worst. And this is the worst one where he's like singing about being in love and he, it's so run on fucking sentence. In sentence. Sentence. In each, like, note of this song, I'm like, stop, stop singing, stop. Just put a line there, Stop Quasimodo. singing, just talk. Just talk. <laughs> if you're going to be doing it like this, just talk. You're not even on beat, <laughs> my guy. Like, and it sucks, because this guy is a trained a trained stage singer, right? It's just like, they just gave, gave him such garbage composition to work with. He probably didn't even hear the music. He probably just had a <laughs> click track. And, and like... You can't, this is I mean, so many words, and the song behind it just does not mesh at all. Can I be honest? Until this moment, I'm looking at my IMDb, I did not think that this was the same Quasimodo. I thought this was somebody else because this is so bad. And he's so good in Hunchback. Yeah, it's such a, fl- it's such a flat performance in comparison. There's a lot of actual talent in this movie and none of them were writing it nobody's showing up to play everybody is here for a paycheck it's you know i get it (laughs) i guess that's not true one person in particular is is here to is here to do what to do a job okay wait wait wait. i would argue there's two i'm curious who do you think is here to do a job Haley joel osment Haley joel osment is a hundred percent here to do a job but i would argue in the way that he does Jason Alexander is also here to do a job. Is it yes, particularly good? It's Jason Alexander. No. It's precisely what he always does. You're yeah, you're gonna get you're gonna get that that energy. That's what he is. Sorry. I um Well, here's the thing about the gargoyles in this movie, if I could mention them real quick. You mentioned they're mm-hmm. still in this movie. But here's the thing. They, they work a lot better in this movie. Because when they're interrupting the movie to do their dumb shit, they're not actually interrupting anything. The movie's not important. 
Yeah, the, they're they're <laughs> so they're like yeah, that's a good way point. more palatable because it's like they're not grinding the movie to a halt. They're just dumb characters in this dumb movie, which meant that yeah. which meant that there was a moment where Jason Alexander delivered a line, and I was like, "That's a good one." <laughs> that's a good. <laughs> and that didn't happen at all in the last movie. Well, and I think part of it is because the stakes in this movie, the stakes, the juicy stakes that we need are so low. Oh, yeah. The the last movie, we were fighting for the heart of Paris. Yeah, there was a, there, there was a family that was almost burned to death in their house. Uh. And so, and speaking of that. Quasimodo decides that it's time for him to upgrade his wardrobe game. Okay, so actually, just before this, <laughs> this is the Jason Alexander line, where <laughs> before he decides that he's going to, like, go out and try to meet Madeline again, uh, what was, one of the gargoyles asks what he wears to go out, what, what do you wear to go out to the circus? And Quasimodo says, nothing. And Jason Alexander just goes, Daring! <laughs> fucking great (laughs) i also i also commented on that line when it popped up it was it was a decent it was good it was fun because this is a this movie means nothing and so you can enjoy a dumb joke like that i will say the the hard cut from that joke to to Quasimodo wearing Frollo's clothes <laughs> is unintentionally the funniest, the funniest thing I've ever seen. And his friends are like, yeah, you look good. You, you look good. <laughs> They're like, this, this isn't super weird. This would be if like I, I asked somebody, hey, are you going to come to a, our costume party? And when I went to pick them up, they were dressed like a Nazi. I, like it's a little bit like that, but it's more like you were <laughs> your adoptive father was a Nazi, and you have a job interview to go to, <laughs> and you don't have any nice clothes, <laughs> but your dead adoptive father had a lot of nice clothes. But also, everybody, everybody in town knows that your adoptive father was a Nazi. <laughs> it's a hard line. <laughs> He, there should have been a shopping just, montage. Yeah, yeah. We should have had a wardrobe montage where if there was a wardrobe montage where he put on Frollo's outfit and they were like, uh, a little too authoritarian, <laughs> try again. That would be funny. That would be good. And you could have the Jason Alexander character say that. That'd be good. Uh, there could be 80s music playing. Ah, you know, it would have been a great time. Uh, This is where we get the incredibly... So many things are ham-fisted in this movie. This is where we get the really, really bad sub-subplot of Phoebus being racist. A character trait that he never had. Right. And also, Esmeralda being a little prickly about it. Because here's the thing. Yeah, it's weird that he's suddenly racist. But it's not weird for him to be like... Crime's gonna go up when this circus comes to town, because that is legitimately what happens. Yeah, like... It's weird, because also later, he admits that he was wrong about everything, except I think if you look at the tapes, he wasn't. You were... You were right. He He was was right. He was right about most things. I just don't understand why, why he also had to be racist, like... Yeah, it's, it doesn't it add anything to the movie. Uh, particularly because Phoebus in this movie 
is a lot of fun because he is just being full himbo the whole time. And mm-hmm. like a big, dumb idiot. And it's fucking great. Twice he gets stunted on by his horse. He gets that, that my genuinely, my favorite joke in the whole movie. Yes. Made me say out loud, that's a good one. That's a good one. They also have bears juggling fire, which I'm not for. Not into it. Stop it. Listen, do not like, do, we do not need bears mastering the elements. <laughs> I don't know. What do we have to talk about? They watch the fucking magic show. It's fine. Haley Joel fine. Osment is is fucking working it as this kid. He is he is earning his paycheck. Mm-hmm. I I there is a reason why Haley Joel Osment was the kid voice in like every movie. Mm-hmm. It's, he was damn good at it. Um, I don't think we really have. I don't think we have any like working kid actors who do that anymore. Um, probably for a good reason. Yeah, I mean there are. I also feel like there are just more child actors and maybe they are not if any individual child actor is not put under as much pressure as they they used to be uh hopefully mm-hmm. that seems to be the way things are going but i'm not 100% certain on it i would hope so i would hope so but yeah. um i do think i do think i also know that like because of like child labor laws and stuff it's really expensive to get kids into a recording booth you're usually just going to get a uh a, uh, uh, I can't remember anybody's a- name anymore, but an adult voice actor who can do a kid voice. <laughs> they sing this song. The song's not good. Whatever. People are bringing a it's my ton favorite song of gems the to this, uh, circus. <laughs> Just like a shit ton of gems. And they all get stolen, obviously. But you have to assume that at a circus. You just, whenever there's a big crowd, you assume there's a pickpocket. Come on, people. Stop bringing your gems. Don't bring your gems to anywhere that isn't mass. <laughs> you know, like you're still going to get pickpocketed, but like at least there you could put the fear of God into that person. It's just like, yeah, it's so weird. It, this is kind of a weird subplot. I mean, I get that we are showing up. I guess it's what get, gets Phoebus into it. But it's like, do we need that? Phoebus is out doing some CSI stuff, some real gumshoe level detective work he confront he immediately confronts Sarouche, who at this point because madeline has had some doubts decides to just throw her under the bus which of course he is i kind of love it i kind of love that this is immediately he's like well burning that bridge um <laughs> and i also kind of love there's a part of me that really enjoys that Phoebus just buys it. This big dumb idiot who had this guy dead to rights. He found he a stolen found necklace and was like in his fucking office. Yeah, under his Mickey Mouse hat. Uh, it's like a Mickey Mouse wizard hat, you know. Uh, you know the one. And he's just like, so how did these things get here? Uh, and he he sells out Madeline and perhaps. Um, to give him the amount of benefit of the doubt that he does not deserve. He's just feeling protective of Quasimodo. Uh, mm-hmm. Because he knows that they're dating. So yeah. he has to go, like, put a stop to this. He does ask his horse how many times he's been wrong, or how many times he's led them astray or something. 
And the horse. Gotta get that callback. And the horse in the funniest fucking. Uh, <laughs> in the funniest line in the movie. And here's the great thing about it is I 100% saw it coming. I was like, there's only yeah. one thing for this horse to do. <laughs> he starts counting like a horse does, just tapping his hooves. And he goes for a while before Phoebus is like, it's rhetorical. <laughs> oh, solid. <laughs> It's so good. It's a great joke. Let me let's walk through what the what the heist plan is, Uh because it took me a while to piece it together. I had to I had to I had to create a really intricate mind map um, to to really get my head around how stupid this heist plan was. Well, you know, with all the flashbacks and all the uh, all the fake outs and. Um, there's like an extended bit where George Clooney talks about his mom. It's a lot. Anyway, uh-huh. the, so the plan is the circus comes to town and they start robbing people. At the same time, Madeline goes to Notre Dame to seduce the keeper of the bell tower to find out where they're keeping the bell with jewels in it. And honestly, you can because just it look. could be. It could be anywhere. It could not, but go it, on. <laughs> it it's it could be anywhere in Paris, Tony. <laughs> Surely it's not in the bell tower where all the bells the bell are. Tower? Like it would take you fifteen minutes to check all the bells. She, she does this, finds out that the bell is indeed in the bell tower. Yep. Got him. Comes back comes back to, to the pause, ringleader and pause for a second. In yeah. a really generic ass date. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're going to talk about that date eventually. Oh, yeah. But not now. Oh, we're going to. She, she goes to Sarouche and tells him, hey, I don't think I'm comfortable doing this. And he says, do you know where it is? And she says, I'm not going to tell you. And then he says, well, I already know where it is. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, dipshit. It's, it's in, in the, the bell, bell tower. <laughs> Uh, she never actually tells him that it's there. You sort of wonder. You sort of wonder if the whole thing with her, with her part of the plan was Sarus just trying to get her the fuck out of his way for a while, <laughs> like she's always underfoot. Yeah, so that her clumsiness can't mess up their setting up all of the other stuff. I don't know. So then she has to go out on another date with Quasimodo. Right, this date is to get him out of the bell tower. And here's the thing. Which... If this should have been her job the whole time, because, and I wish this was harped on at all in this movie, Quasimodo is fucking terrifying because he has the strength of, like, 50 dudes. <laughs> yeah, this guy has, like, two strong men, and I was like, Quasimodo could lift, could literally can lift up that bell by himself. I really wanted, in the climax of this scene, in, in the climax of this movie, I really wanted Quasimodo to beat the shit out of this guy. And the reason isn't because, yeah. like, I was like, oh, I need a bunch of blood in this movie. It was that this guy kidnapped a kid, and I really wanted it to be harped on a little bit that even though Quasimodo is the nicest dude... He will not hold back (laughs) if you hurt people around him. Yeah, he tells this kid, I will always be there for you. But he does not show up to to really prove that when the when the when the rubber hits the road. Right. 
Yeah, the thing that the thing that and they do to save the kid is much stupider. Um, <laughs> the guy doesn't even have a knife. Like, I, come I, on, I dude. I sort of wanted him to be threatening this kid for question. I wanted to beat his ass. I wanted Just him take him out. I wanted him to be like conking his head against the bell over and over, like. Yeah, or, or to like lift up the bell and like put it over him. Like, here you are. Have your fucking jewels, motherfucker. <laughs> Are for him to just throw the bell into the canal and then beat the hell out of him. Uh, the, this, for a movie that generally kind of trudges along like a depressed dog, uh-huh. the, the ending of this movie is following that dog and then he just throws up on your shoes. <laughs> like, it's, it's, so, it's so deflating. And also, again, this, uh, for a heist, that doesn't make sense. No. Zero sense. Because, because, and we're going to talk about it. The first date that she goes on with Quasimodo, he's out of the bell tower yep. all day. All day. He's gone. And evening. For like, 24 hours. Yep. You could have stole it then. You knew where it was. So you want to talk about this date? This date's, it's, it's, here's what I'll say. Mm-hmm. It's fine. It's okay. Like, it's just, I, Kind but I of expect nothing. more from Quasimodo. Yeah, um, there was a little bit. I would say my biggest problem is of with it. And to be fair, I I might have been over judging it a little because I did not like this movie. Um, there was a little bit I felt like of sexy porn yesterday, where like Madeline is kind of being taught about everything that they're doing, but I. I, like I said, I might be overjudging it. It might be just trying to tell you Quasimodo knows the city. You know, he has all this fun stuff to do. Climbing on stuff, mostly. Mostly climbing on stuff. Yeah. Singing. That's singing. It's just, yeah. It's a weird two bit. He does. A weird bit where it becomes a horror movie. <laughs> where he takes her up this tower and tells her to listen to Paris. And they... For some reason, the sounds of Paris they decide to have are, like, children singing quietly far away in, like, creepy horror movie trailer vibes. The the movie plays this as if it's an amazing, beautiful thing. It's horrifying. It's beautiful. And I'm like, it's it's not. It's very upsetting. (laughs) It's a nightmare. (laughs) It, I, 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 no, I think, I think you're right to be a little harsh on it. I think the movie is trying to be like, oh, Quasimodo just knows Paris so well, mm-hmm. but because her entire character is that she's kind of dumb, it does come off as like, oh, look at her. She never even learned how to read. It didn't have to be that. I don't think, and, and I guess this is my problem with Madeline. I don't think she's supposed to be dumb. She's clumsy no. and she is being constantly told that she's stupid, so she calls herself stupid. But because the movie refuses to give her a character other than kind of beaten down and wants to walk a tightrope... She is a bird in a cage. Yeah, it's it's really nothing. Um, And yeah, it makes her seem pretty stupid. She does seem pretty stupid for wanting to walk a tightrope when her big thing is falls down all the time. And, you know, it's... It's it's one of those things where it's like that it, a person like you know I want to do a I want to be able to do a cartwheel someday. That's not a character trait, right? Cheney, That's not even a goal or a dream. 
Jamie suggested that skill she, I'd like to have that she should be afraid of heights. That she should want to walk the tightrope uh. and be afraid of heights, and that would give something to this date where they like there is a bit where they're just walking around on top of rooftops, and you know Quasimodo yeah. is the opposite of afraid of heights, uh, and that would oh this my man is a could be something of the highest order you know like, but this movie steadfastly refuses to be anything throughout the entirety of the movie. Well, and then so on top of that, this date. Mm-hmm. is is the worst part about this date is that every single thing that they do is Quasimodo shows Madeline something ugly <laughs> and then and then shows her well actually it's beautiful on the inside yeah he gives her some like rosemary or something she's like this is a weed and he's like no it smells great you know junk like this oh and and it culminates in showing her the bell which looks like a normal bell but on the inside inside (laughs) man they must have been so proud of that idea because it's so dumb otherwise oh they were super psyched for it I mean that bell is on the poster. <laughs> the in the glowing inside of that bell is on the poster. Remember when we saw that poster and we were like, "Oh, it's like a clever little like oh, it's the 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 stained glass of Notre Dame yeah, in there. Yeah, That's yeah. Cute. We thought it was stained glass and a bell. It's not. That's just the bell. <laughs> That's just the. It's just it, jewels in a bell. Ah. So they get rained on. She has to warm up. So that's why they go back to the tower. Uh, at this, at this bit, the gargoyles get a song that makes me. They're, it's like they're trying to make me hate the gargoyles again. I was okay with the gargoyles, <laughs> and they get this really annoying song. It's like whatever. Um, and then he gives her the Tinkerbell doll. That's Tinkerbell, and oh not my her. god, <laughs> oh my god. And I just, I just wanted to mention. I don't remember if we see it again. We probably do. Uh, we do, we do. But he gave it to her, and it's literally Tinkerbell, and it's just it. I. Ugh. It really I'm started. I'm so to glad me. you brought this up. I'm no, I'm so glad you brought this up because this is the funniest fucking thing. Because the they have this conversation where Quasima, where she's like, "Oh, I'm just like a dumb person." And Quasimodo's like, no, you're not. There's more to you on the inside. And then he gives her this tiny Tinkerbell that he carved and and tells her, I wish you could see yourself the way I see you. With a smaller As dress a pretty on. wooden doll. <laughs> the thing that upset me the most is that Tinkerbell has a short dress and so, like, it was weird vibes for Quasimodo to have just met this girl and started carving her. And he carved her in a sexier dress. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is some incel energy from Quasimodo and I'm not here for it. It's, it's some real gross shit. It's some real gross shit. And again, the fact that he gives it to her and is like, this is what I want you to look like, <laughs> essentially. Oh um, boy. It's just some it's just some weird it's just again bad vibes. Bad vibes. They're, I mean they're trying and, um, and, and, and they're trying to mirror the dolly made of Esmeralda in the last movie, but that whole movie, all of their scenes were so much deeper, I think is the issue. Like there was more yeah. to them. Uh it wasn't just, oh, these two are gonna end up together. 
Well, it's because because in that movie they were talking about serious stuff, right? Yeah. They were talking about like matter the matters of pa- again. This is a movie that's about the heart of Paris. That's what they were talking about, mm-hmm. and like. In this, he's just like, don't you think Rosemary smells nice? You should wear a smaller dress. <laughs> These two moves will let you date any woman. He's also, and now that you bring it up, I am thinking about it. He is wearing the clothes of the most controlling person that he's ever known. He learned from the best. Oh, Lord. And here's, and here's the thing is, is during this date, while he's wearing these clothes... There's a scene where all of the villagers start singing about how they're so glad that Quasimodo gets to fuck now. (laughs) And this is a nightmare scenario, first of all. I don't want... If I went out on a date with my significant other and the entire town started singing at me, I'd be like, I'm going home. I don't think... Okay. Stop. I think it was metaphorical singing. (laughs) Oh, if short thing. But here's the other thing, right? Uh Uh-huh. Here's the the kind of the other thing is is like it's a little sinister that the he's wearing Frollo's eh. outfit because the last time somebody in Paris couldn't get any he burned half <laughs> the city down so maybe they're celebrating him for other reasons <laughs> oh thank God uh. so she gets arrested by Phoebus. Yeah, uh, Phoebus actually has a really good just before she gets arrested he has this really good scene. Where he basically goes and tells Quasimodo, like, I guess this isn't just before, this is a little back. Like, there's something up with Madeline, she's one of these criminals. And Quasimodo's like, oh, so you don't think that she could just like me? And he's like, uh, no, of course I do. Anyone would. And then everybody else in the movie is just mad at Phoebus. (laughs) And I kind of like this moment where he's like, I'm trying to be in my police detective movie, and you're in a rom-com, <laughs> and, like, I'm having a hard time being my police detective character and also your buddy in the rom-com. This this does feel like... I kind of wish this was, like, a, a buddy cop movie between the two of them. Oh, my gosh. Right? Because this is, like, literally a plot in uh, the Beverly Hills Cop. If there was a fucking A plot that these people could be interacting with, while the B-plot of Quasimodo Gets a Girl was happening, that would be amazing. But the, but the Quasimodo Gets the Girl is the A-plot, which means he's not interacting at all with the B-plot, which is, I think, what breaks the movie. Like, it, it is fully what makes Quasimodo, and, and the deeper you view it, be like, huh, Quasimodo's coming off as really creepy and weird in this. Yeah, he's being a really weird guy. Because, like, yeah, if he was also looking into these robberies, it doesn't even need to be a good A-plot. It just needs to be an A-plot, you know? And it would raise the stakes a little bit. But instead, the only reason for these robberies to happen really is so that Quasimodo and Madeline can have the Shrek and Donkey fight moment. That's that's yes. what I called this in my notes. I was like, blah, blah, blah. This is the part where Shrek and Donkey fight. This is this is such a destruction of Quasimodo's character. Yes. And there is a line here that I actually super like. And if this movie was any good at all, could actually be a spectacular line. It kind of reminds me of the uh, we're just made of stone line that did not work in the yeah. last movie, but is a really good line. She is being arrested and she is 
begging Quasimodo. She's like, just look at me. And all of this, like, it makes, it's really good thematically. Like, all the stupid shit that they were setting up with the, like, oh, sometimes you have to look deeper at stuff. And her, like, begging him, please look at me as he walks away is really good. But I don't give a shit about her or him or this movie. Yeah, it's just it's not enough. It it's like I'm sorry, it's just it's just not enough. There's just not enough there. So we didn't mention this. But during the heist when they heisted that bell, uh, which was happening at the same time as the second date, Zephyr followed Sarush. Yes, fo- followed Sarush. And the heist was, I guess, not interrupted because they did get away, but the gargoyles managed to ring the bell when they realized Zephyr was there. Which almost, again, makes them interesting characters because they didn't ring the bell when a bell was being stolen. So Quasimodo gets back, they arrest Madeline, um, and the gargoyles are like, Zephyr's fucking gone. And so's the goat. The goat's also gone. So he's fine. He's with the goat. They go looking for Zephyr. Mm Mm-hmm. But they can't find him. In fact, they can't find the robbers anywhere in Paris. They closed the gates, but the circus was already gone. How did Phoebus do this? How did he immediately buy that it was all Madeline and not even have an eye on the circus anymore? Right? You think he, he he should have had a guy, right? Like a guy to be, hey, keep an eye on these on the circus, by the way. Yeah, and then it would be fine if if we got back to the circus and, like, that guy was, like, trussed up somewhere. Uh, and then that would be, like, that plot point tied up. He tried. It didn't work. He should have sent two guys, but he didn't, you know? And my immediate thought, immediate, was, oh, they're taking the river, like Quasimodo's mom did when she came into Paris. <laughs> Like obviously, yeah, yeah, they're in the catacombs. It's a big bell, <laughs> and yeah, they're they're in the catacombs. The the Zarush finds Zephyr as like aha, the son of the the head of the guard, mm-hmm. and um, Madeline is like, oh no, I can help you guys. Please let me find him. I can outthink him. There's always a tunnel. That's her thinking. Oh, I'll <laughs> excuse me. I have to mention this. She says, it's like when we disappeared the elephant, a trick they did that I didn't mention because I was sick of talking about all the animals. There's always a secret tunnel. Now hold the fuck up. You're telling me. When did you have time? This is a spectacular trick. That or she's still lying about how the trick is done. Because they poof some smoke, and the whole elephant is gone. In a tunnel, I guess? Where? The, this stage is on the- is, is elevated. It's not elevated that much. And the elephant is on, like, a little, uh, like a- like a stool-type thing that elephants stand on in circuses for some reason. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. So, they had to get it off of that- into the tunnel in, like, the blink of an eye. <laughs> it's a great trick. It's a good trick, actually. Yeah, if, if Hugh Jackman learned how to do that in The Prestige, oh, he would have won. If Hugh Jackman learned how to do that in um, Greatest Showman, uh, he would have been The Greatest Showman. <laughs> that would have been a movie. I'm going to cut out when I couldn't think of Greatest Showman. It's going gonna, it's gonna <laughs> to feel a lot, a lot more tight. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be super good. You guys have no idea. But then it's going to be great. But then I'll leave that part. <laughs> <laughs> Edit me laughing, too. Just put that in there. Yeah. Wouldn't it be crazy if Madeline died in this movie? I mean, then I would be a bit upset that um, Quasimodo does keep getting cock-blocked. It's... Yeah. <laughs> it is It is a Did little... They just upset. double down. No, he's not worthy of love. He's he's not. I mean, death itself will keep love from him. I I mean, now... I, we, we mentioned it at the top, but now I can't stop thinking about a version of this movie where Quasimodo has a bunch of exes. I... <laughs> I really like the idea that he has like five ex-girlfriends. It didn't work out each for some reason, like because he talked to the gargoyles or because he's like, oh, he's like, oh, he's, he's too nice. He doesn't like give special treatment to them because he's giving special treatment to everybody. Like, you know, this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let me write that movie. Can we do a <laughs> can we can we do Hunchback of Notre Dame three in the style of Cinderella three, <laughs> where it's just we can just make it up as we go. Yeah, we just make up any fucking thing we want. Well, because the fairy godmother shows up, right, and they turn back time. It's all oh, connected. Nice. So they they show up at the catacombs uh, as Sarush is making his incredibly slow getaway. I mean, they can't go that fast. It's a huge bell. Bell. Uh, It is a huge bell. There was a moment where the goat just straight up abandoned the kid. Yeah, he does just run away. And and to be fair, that's so the goat can lead them there, I guess. But also, there's already a big gate there. So if Sarush hadn't gotten a hostage, he just would have been got. There's a huge gate to stop stuff like this from happening, I guess. Those gates should essentially be closed all the time. Right? Why were they open? <laughs> Why are you leaving them open? Uh. And so they close the gate and Sarush is like, ah, but if you stop me, I'll kill the boy. Sorry, I'll hurt the boy. Yeah, they don't say kill. It's a Disney sequel that's not The Lion King 2. So <laughs> you can't just you can't just kill a character in the most brutal way possible. Oh, I guess or um, Return of Jafar, technically. But Return of Jafar is a pretty low body count. Uh, yeah, I mean, the Lion King 2, you you get a, <laughs> a, a first person view of a per, of a character dying. Yeah. Like, it's crazy. Yeah, he doesn't even... I realize that there's a low stakes movie, but give him a fucking knife. Because I was thinking, like, crossbow in the eye, guys. Like, you got this. Uh, <laughs> you got this. You're trained. And, like, maybe you'll hit the kid. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Not your kid. No, 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 no. All you do is you get the one guy who's really good at crossbows. Are you telling me <laughs> this guy's the that, best? That the that this the, guy's never hit a kid. That the Parisian guard does not have a sniper. <laughs> I bet you they have a sniper. <laughs> <laughs> I love the idea of just of the one like this guy. He's never hit a kid. And it's like, wow, never. He does the apple thing and it never goes wrong with this guy. It never hits his kid. He always is shooting the apple and not the kid that he puts the apple. And not the kid. I I just I do love the idea of and you wouldn't make this movie. But I do love the idea of him holding this kid. And he's like, oh, you let me go or I'll, you know, chuck this kid into the canal or whatever he's gonna do and then phoebus makes a hand signal and suddenly an arrow sprouts out of this guy's eye and he fucking dies 
It's it's over. Because he just threatened the kid of the captain of the guard. What do you think is gonna happen? Here's 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 the other here's the other solution, right? He's like, you let me go, or I'm gonna hurt this child. And Quasimodo goes full Batman on this. Okay, guy. so he like hundred percent through the bottom of the boat. A hundred percent. That's what I thought and hoped was going to happen because like that would have been an ending of a movie. At, at this point, this guy's unfucking forgivable. Like he's threatening to kill a kid, Quasimodo should be should just jump onto that boat and again doesn't have a knife. He can kill this guy in the time it would take that guy to start to kill a kid. This it would this guy wouldn't even have time to <laughs> to, to to put pressure on this little child's torso. Yeah. He, he could there could be a moment where Quasimodo is holding him by the throat and then this kid's like dangling from Sarusha's arms and he's like, I'm gonna hurt him and Quasimodo will be like, You won't have time. Ugh Brutal. It could have it, it could have been something. And I really, really truly don't know why he wasn't beaten against this bell at some point. Even if they were going to do it cartoonishly, like a wily e. coyote thing, that yeah. should have happened. <laughs> instead, <laughs> we get the. I don't care about what happened. Instead. Yeah, inst- instead we get what is possibly the dumbest redemption arc I have ever seen in a movie. Because it's not a redemption arc. It's just she doesn't need to be redeemed. God, it would be interesting if Madeline was an actual criminal. <laughs> So she convinces Quasimodo to untie her. They go to the other side of the sluice gate as as Sarush is, you know, cackling like a villain. And Phoebus and Esme are like, oh, no, I guess we've betrayed our child. But there's nothing else we could have done. And she's like, I'm going to tightrope and get the kid. (sighs) Sure. Okay. That does happen. Sorry. That just how do they get beyond the gate? Without crossing the gate. They go around. They go. They take like a back door that just goes around. All right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And 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 the, the worst bit for me was when she was like, I think I could do this. And Quasimodo was like, I know you can do this. And like, Quasimodo, I, this shouldn't be about you placing your trust or like, like believing in this woman. There is a kid that you ostensibly love whose like life is in danger you should You've just be raised this kid. Beaten a guy to death. I just, I don't need every movie to be like fucking taken, you know. But I know from the last movie that Quasimodo has an upper limit of shit he will deal with before he literally pulls chains out of stone. Right. And and that's the thing, right? Is is like here we are in the catacombs of Paris as a boat goes up a literal shit creek and the climax of the movie is uh, Madeline does some tight roping and grabs this kid and Sarouche is like, what are you doing here? And she's like, I'm just standing here looking pretty. Yeah, which again, might have been an okay line if I fucking gave a shit about Madeline. It's how far we've fallen, right, from a movie where all of Paris was on fire and lava was pouring out of Notre Dame. <laughs> lava. You remember that? He I miss that shit. Molten lead onto the ground. <laughs> yes. I just and the thing is, even this might have almost worked again if Quasimodo could have stopped this guy. Like, 
just smack them or something. But no, all the faceless guards arrest them. And like, what do I care about the faceless guards? They're literally wearing like covering like stormtrooper helmets. It's a little weird when I think about it. Uh, Because it's not like they're mooks to get killed. Yeah. And so, you know, they save the kid. Sarush gets arrested. Everybody makes out. Right. They have the festival where everybody's yelling about how they love each other. It's annoying. I would hate this festival. And then as the credits roll, we get the biggest twist of the movie. Do we? This wasn't made in Australia. Oh. This was not made by Toon Disney. This was made by Disney Disney Animation Japan. Oh, weird. Yeah, genuinely, I was like, oh, well, that's interesting. And that was my favorite part of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> the best part, by far. Didn't we find out that some of Return of Jafar was made by uh, Disney Japan? Yes, yes, we did. Because there, there was an unintentional costume change at one point. <laughs> that was yes, like- yeah. So they just, for this one, they just outsourced the whole movie, which is fine. This movie was okay. It's fine. I didn't like it, but like, I have disliked a Disney sequel a lot more than this one. Like, this is way better than Cinderella 2, Tarzan 2, fucking... Oh, man. uh, Fox and the Hound 2. Fox and the Hound 2 is fun, I will admit that. I forgot. Sorry. I just remembered that Reba McIntyre does get a song number in that movie. So never mind. We're going to put that one back above this one. Just Reba McIntyre alone. She wins it. That one's just so absurd that I, I, I have to enjoy it on some level. There are definitely Disney sequels that are like so much more of a slog. I think this one is a solid middling one because it's like an hour long. But, but that's the thing is, is I still, I don't want any child to watch this this is i mean it's not good (laughs) it's just like it might be better than little mermaid 2 and little mermaid 2 they were fucking trying something and it was just bad it was just bad so i guess this is the line right like not good enough for a kid to watch but not bad enough for an adult to watch for fun this is like a solid five like just this is yeah this is a movie that no one should watch. This is this is just like this might be, and I did not think that this is what we would say when we watch this movie. This might be the baseline Disney sequel. <laughs> just like a bad movie told with characters from the movie that it was based on, and it's like fine. <laughs> is it good? No. Yeah. <laughs> is it bad? Eh. You know, I'll give it this. At least it's not a fucking backdoor pilot. Like, it's trying to be a movie. That's true. It did feel like a TV show, though, a bit, right? Felt like an episode of a TV show. Some bits. Oh, this could have been a season finale for sure. Yeah. But yeah, the thing is, like, for instance, Atlantis 2 might rank higher than this one. Not because it's better, but because at the end of Atlantis 2, Atlantis rises above the water. <laughs> And we had a time about talking that. about what that would mean for the next world war. That's true. I'm I'm looking, I'm lo- I'm sitting here and I'm looking at all of these movies and I'm like genuinely amazed that we've seen so many of these. Like I don't remember Lady and the Tramp 2. Did we watch Lady and the Tramp? Oh, sorry. No, we watched 101 Dalmatians 2. Okay. Sorry. They're yeah. both called it. They both have adventure in the title. <laughs> uh-huh. And they both take place in London. 
in London. So I just was like, I don't know, one of these we watched. Yeah, no, that one was the one with the weird message of Patch is the best Dalmatian. <laughs> there are a hundred Dalmatians, but only one of them matters. Yeah, that was uh, that was a weird one. Thank you for listening to Direct-to-Video. VHS? VHS? I have been your host, Tony Robusto. I have been your host, Andy Reyes. Uh, you can find me on Twitter for as long as Twitter is still around and reasonable to be on. <laughs> and at my website, inspiredbytrueevents.org. Excuse me, my Twitter yeah. handle is theaterbets. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you can uh, you can find me on uh, on Twitter as well. Um, for now, I have the hardest time trying to get up the gumption to make a new social media presence. I'm like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's rough. <sighs> I I think I have firmly um, I, th- I I firmly I'm like firmly kind of I put my foot on one i don't like to have more than two social medias running so i haven't had a a tumblr for a really long time so it's just been twitter for me and i think now i'm using co-host which is this uh new sort of new independent run social media website i rather like it it's like it's like a, a weird little compromise between twitter and tumblr that i kind of enjoy Mm -hmm. um and andy likes being a co-host it's true i'm i'm still feeling it out i don't think i have a presence there just because i'm I'm not it's not at a point where i'm on it all the time yet but i think if 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 twitter does go down and it looks like it is uh just from like a usability perspective that's probably where i'll be but for now, you can find me on Twitter at royalty underscore Valens, and you can also find me on my other website at uh, timehonoredpictures.com. We have been on a bit of an extended hiatus due to uh, increasing family things that I've had to deal with. So, Just no pictures worth honoring. Yeah, well, to, that is true as well. <laughs> but hopefully um, before the uh, before the yeah, probably before the year is out. Um, we'll get, we'll, we'll, we'll revamp our entire, um, our process and, you know, try to get back on our monthly schedule come the new year. Speaking of the year being out, we consistently miss doing a themed holiday episode. We can do Christmas. I mean, I guess we can. If you want to like pick one and we can crank one out real quick, it might have to come out before this one, depending on how up for editing I am. Here's the thing is we have not seen a very merry poo year. Oh, wow. That's not the poll I expected. <laughs> or Mickey's Magical Christmas. Or there's another Mickey Mouse one, isn't there? Oh, Twice Upon a Christmas. Ah. Oh, and there's Once Upon a Christmas. Of course there's a Once <laughs> Upon a Christmas. <laughs> the reveal. The twist that there is a Once Upon a Christmas. <laughs> okay. This is a this is a called shot, and I don't know if we can make this happen. But we can do once upon a Christmas this year, and then twice upon a Christmas next year. Next year, and I think after that, contractually, we are we ha- we we get murdered by Disney. That's probably what happens. Yeah, um, unless they release a thrice upon a Christmas on Disney Plus between now and then. This motherfucker has. Three Christmas movies? And the second one came out between once and twice. What the fuck? (laughs) If we watch Once Upon a Christmas, we will have a full 12 months to decide which one we're watching next. (laughs) (laughs) And we'll make that decision at the last minute like we always do. Hey, 
that's our vibe. That is that is the, this is how the we good do. vibes of this uh, of this podcast. I tried to listen to a new podcast recently. Over edited, sounded too good. I was done with it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Give me that friend's basement energy. It has been so long since we started this, and the fact that we're able to maintain that energy, it just shows our integrity. Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're not sellouts. We should add a tip jar or something so we continue so we can continue to not be sellouts but with money. Yeah, yeah, I would it would be great <laughs> if we could <laughs> have a tip jar that would help a lot. Um <laughs> Listen guys, we don't want to sell out, but if you want us to, please uh feel free. <laughs> now I have to add a tip jar. At least any, as a joke. any little bit helps. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. <clears throat> uh of course, it'll only go to my PayPal. <laughs> what the hell? Oh, man. <laughs> uh, thank you to Lee oh, Rosevere. Just a, yeah. And just... <laughs> what? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm? yeah, yeah. Thank you to Lee Rose. That's what I was going to okay. say. Go for it. <laughs> uh, for Planet E off of Travis 1, which is probably what we'll be using. I probably won't put in some Christmas music here, but maybe. We'll find out. No, no, no. We're going to get Christmas music. We're going to do it. Okay. Mickey's Once Upon a Christmas. I'll edit it. Okay. I am the ghost of John Smith. And a very special thank you to Jennifer Love Hewitt from The Ghost Whisperer. <laughs> I did feel like she was kind of a get for this movie. I know! <laughs> and she does nothing! Okay, anyway, we're done. We're done. <laughs> oh man, I just like... Do you think we can pitch Nickelodeon on an Avatar follow-up, or what? It's just The Last Airbender, but with bears. No, no, it's just The Last Airbender, but the only thing that changes is Aang is a bear. Just Aang, yes. (laughs) Just everyone else is still a person. (laughs) This bear needs to master the four elements. Now this is just a um, Owl Kitty video. You know Owl Kitty? No. A guy edits his cat into, uh, like popular films he he had one where where he replaced jaws with his cat oh that's good stuff yeah he should he should do one where he replaces the slow moving rock in the live action air last airbender movie with his cat okay i don't know what that is because i made the decision to never watch that movie oh man i've seen that movie three times that's too many times uh, <laughs> you know how many times I've seen all of Avatar The Last Airbender? Zero. Because I keep getting wow. <laughs> banned from finishing it.